You're listening to the Central Station Podcast, where we bring you true stories of what life in the outback is really like and why many wouldn't live anywhere else. So pull up a stump, pop the billy on, or crack a cold one as we talk to the men and women who call some of the most remote parts of Australia home. Today I've got something a bit special for you. As you would have heard in part one, Munro Hardy has had many adventures in his life so far. When we were recording part two, Munro shared a story that I was not expecting. And it's pretty hectic. So much so that I thought it should come out a week early in its own episode. Enjoy this preview of part two and please do not try this at home. Or, for that matter, anywhere in the world. What happened? I'd been all the way down south to Aswan, which is southern Egypt. Had an awesome time on the way down. Went to the Valley of the Kings, saw a lot of pyramids, temples, all all the beautiful things that Egypt's got. It was magnificent, fascinating. Can't remember where, but we got on a felucca, which is a Nile type of sailing yacht, and sailed the Nile for three or four days, I think, from memory. There was a German couple on there and an, an Italian guy, and then the skipper and his first mate. Anyway, it was a very comfortable, relaxed cruise up the Nile, but we then disembarked in Luxor. Luxor, I remember Luxor. And... Anyhow, I got off and was walking to a hotel that I'd already booked and this bloke came up to me on his donkey. He had a donkey in cart and I was sitting there and he came up beside me as I was walking and he said, hey, mister, mister, where are you going? I take you, I take you. I said, no, thanks, mate. I'm just around the corner, just going to my hotel. And he, he kept coming with me all the way. He said, I'll take you, I'll show you town, I'll show you the markets, I'll show you this. I said, no, thanks, mate. No, no, it had been a, a long couple of days and I was just going to go and unpack and put my head down for a bit. And I said, maybe later, mate, maybe later. He goes, okay, maybe later. When later? And I said, I don't know, mate, five o'clock, I'm coming out of the hotel, I'll go for a walk. He goes, okay, I'll see you later. And this is before lunchtime. And uh, anyhow, I hung around the hotel for most of the day and, and poked my head out later that afternoon. And sure enough, there he was waiting on his donkey and cart. <laughs> and I felt sorry for him because he'd been waiting for me. He said, mister, mister, it's now later. I take you now, I take you. I said, all right, mate, no worries. So I jumped on his donkey with him. And he said, where like, do you want dub, to go? Like double dinkied on the donkey? Well, on his little cart. as a little timber cart. Oh, okay. Yeah, timber wheels, a whole lot. And, um, and he's like, he said, where do you want to go? I said, oh, I think I'll walk past a pub down there. Can we just go to the pub, a little Irish pub or something? He goes, oh, yeah, okay, I'll take you there. We got to the intersection, ready to turn left to the, the pub up there. And um, he said, oh, look. You can go to the pub, but it, it's not that interesting. You know, everyone goes to the pub. It's a touristy thing to do. He goes, why don't you come to the local markets with me? You go to the bazaar. I'll show you around there. I said, oh, yeah, all right. What's it? Okay, no worries. He goes, I'll get you a beer. And pulled into this little local tiny shop that was full of knickknacks and everything. And anyway, in the back they had beers in the fridge and they were big, long, long neck things. And he bought half a dozen of them and we clambered back onto the cart and we just started wandering through the streets of Luxor on his donkey, drinking long necks side by side, and he was pointing <laughs> things out, giving me a grand old tour. It was great fun. Um, we got off, we did a bit of shopping at the markets, and uh, 
Anyway, it must have been a couple of hours and six thirty, seven o'clock or something at night. And he said, oh, I've, I've got to go home and get ready um, for a wedding. I said, oh, yeah. He goes, do you want to come? You come come to my place and meet the family and do this. And I said, oh, all right, I'd love to. And this is me and my naivety. This Lonely Planet would probably tell you, do not do this. I didn't read the Lonely Planet, so like I did. You're a pretty little white boy, like blonde hair, blue eyes. Like <laughs> He would have been like, he'll fetch a fortune. <laughs> well, um, he might well have been thinking that. I did not know that at the time. He was wonderful. He's very entertaining. He was my age, a young bloke, sort of my build. Anyway, he took me home and we wound out of the city. So the city of Luxor was actually quite, it was quite lush. There's, you know, there's a lot of touristy areas in there and, and nice buildings and fancy shops. But as you get to the outskirts, it changes dramatically. It turns to brick, mud buildings, no electricity. It's how I picture and the word slums come to mind. And we wound out there and it was a stark contrast. I remember thinking it vividly. And Anyway, we pulled up in the front of this mud brick house that just had a flat tin roof on it with an earth floor and we walked in and I was a little bit hesitant at that point but sure enough inside was his mum and dad, his grandparents, his uncle, his cousin. Actually, his cousin wasn't there yet. Anyway, had a beer, met the family, had a yarn, they welcomed me and then his cousin turned up and they had a big holler and hoo-ha and g'day and whatnot. And they said, right, we've got to go to this wedding. Come to the wedding with us. So all three of us saddled up on this donkey and cart next. We're all shoulder to shoulder and pretty tightly squeezed in there, wandering through the streets with no power and it's now getting dark. And we must have gone for half an hour, 45 minutes through the streets and it was well and truly dark by the time we got there. But coming around one, I think it had a, you know, like a mud street and the clickety-clack of the old timber wheels as we rounded the corner. They must have had a generator running because they had lights strung across the street, so it was actually lit up, and there would have been a hundred people there. It was it was a big party. It was interesting. The men and the women were segregated entirely. All the women were at the front, sat down facing the stage, and this is crammed into a street. Um, so there's probably fifty women, some are holding babies, sitting on their laps, and and very focused forward and very serious, not really chatting, and then. All the men were at the back standing up, drinking beers and smoking bloody joints, smoking marijuana in the streets. And I, <laughs> I thought, God, don't you get punished for that over here? And Anyway, apparently not, not where we were. And anyhow, I was there for a, a traditional Egyptian wedding for hours. It was fascinating to see how they celebrate it. The one thing I remember at the end that was pretty contrasting was uh, – the crowd or the crowd brought out the cake at the end of it and it was on a big table, a bit bigger than this table we're sitting at, cake in the middle and they danced around the crowd with it above their heads and they sat it down in front of the bride and groom who at that point were dancing. They stepped up onto the table, danced around the cake for a minute and then all of a sudden just kicked the hell out of the cake all over the crowd, all over each other. <laughs> and apparently that was a normal thing at the Did time. Did anyone eat the bits of cake? No, the cake was not eaten at all, no. It was just kicked oh, everywhere. I hate to think about a wasted cake. Yeah. It's a tragedy. Um, so that was that was the wedding that I got to go to. And then uh, at the end of that, everyone had a few beers and they said, right, oh, let's saddle up and we'll head to the after party. We'll go go to town and go to the the club. And I thought, oh, all right, I suppose we can do that. And no, it's getting a bit weary at this point. It was probably close to midnight. Went to the club, which was a belly dancing club. 
And uh, anyhow, that was that was funny. There was all these great big old rich Egyptian men with these women dancing around them, and it was well to me. I, I thought it was pretty bloody awful. They would they had cash in their pockets. They would literally, as the girls would dance around them, they just place the money on their head and let it fall down all around them and the girls dance and then at the end of the dance they all go and pick up their, their cash and wander off and get a bit of a cheer and that's what it is. Um, and so anyway, I had a quick look at that and thought, right, boys, it's time to go home. Can you take me back to town? Away we go. Yeah, 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 no worries, boys, we go. And so we all got on the donkey and cart again and uh, we started heading again through these slums, so we were away from town, away from the shops, away from lights and electricity and everything. And, you know, for as late as it was in the night, I remember and, and having my wits about me enough that I just felt we were heading in the wrong direction, we were heading away from town. And I didn't say anything for a, for a fair while um, until there was one point we had to cross a bit of a creek, a culvert that had a bridge over it and it was dry, there was no water in there. We went down the bank. Um, into this creek and under the bridge. And I'm like, fellas, what are we doing? Like, are we heading home? I feel like we're heading the wrong way. They pulled up and they said, no, no, you pay us now and then we'll take you home. And I said, oh, okay. Oh, and the, the important part at the, at the very beginning, we agreed to a price and I, I'd asked him how much and he said, oh, one pound an hour. I said, okay, one pound an hour, and I can't actually remember what that converts to, but in my head it was five bucks an hour or something, Aussie. Um, and anyhow, they said, yeah, you pay us now and we take you home, and I sort of did a quick calculation, think it might be 100 bucks or whatever it was. And they said, okay, 4,000 pounds. That was my reaction. I said, oh, yeah, good on you, boys, yeah. No, really, how much do you want? And they said, 4,000 pounds. I was like, are you serious? And they said, we're deadly serious. You pay us 4,000 pounds now, we kill you. <laughs> and I, yeah, oh, I, I'm laughing during this. That story. was me. That was my reaction. And I thought they were joking. I was like, nah, boy, seriously, like, what are we doing? And they said, no, you pay us now. No one knows you're here, you Aussie bastard. We fucking, well, we kill you and we dump you here. No one knows you're here. Well, then you, you ain't getting any now. money. So good luck. I'm yeah. not like 20 bucks cash on me. Have at it. Yeah, so uh, there, I literally had to be – I said, mate, I don't have £4,000 on me. How do you think I'm going to pay you? You're going to have to get me back to an ATM or something. And at that point, they cracked it and they got pretty angry. Well, they think you just walk around with £4,000 cash on you. <sighs> exactly. Um, And so then then uh, they grabbed me and they, they started to bloody tussle a bit. But <gasps> we had to go to the boss's place and to go and get this settled. And Like the dad? I don't know who – don't know who it was, but we went to a house. We got off the, the cart and I was dragged into a taxi. Um, the cousin left, but there are about four other blokes that got in the taxi with us, got driven all through the, the back streets to someone else's house, which turned out to be the boss. And they're like, he decided whether you live or die. And then they dragged me out by my neck out of the taxi and threw me up against the wall and these four or five blokes that had jumped in with me, they all went inside the house and upstairs while I was out the front with the bloke who originally picked me up on the on the donkey, this young fella who I'd had a great time with, thought he was my mate. And then I I was a bit fired up. I was like, what are you doing to me? Why have you done this and what's going on? And then he fired up because he actually he'd been smoking 
bloody weed. weed and had a few beers and so he was quite groggy and then he got angry and he's like, you cost me 4,000 pounds, you make me look bad, all these things. He pulled a knife out and put it to my throat while I was up against the wall and at that point I snapped. I just, something clicked in me and I panicked and I grabbed him sort of by the collar and the shoulders and just one of those things, I don't know how it happened but it was so quick and I grabbed him and spun and threw him against this wall and he clocked his head and he fell to the ground and I let go of him and I was just looking down at him. I thought, Jesus, what just happened? And I thought, well, don't stop here. And so I took off. I just started running. And, um, yeah, I could hear the kerfuffle behind me. Like they were all racing downstairs, screaming and all running behind me. And I thought, this is it. They're going to catch me and I'm done. And like clockwork, this bloody scooter field around the corner in front of me. I could just see these lights coming towards me. I had my arms in the air, waving, hollering, saying, save me, help me, all this. And, um, it, it turned out to be two guys on a scooter and they pulled up and they had eyes like dinner plates looking at me and I was like, they're going to kill me and they're racing up behind me. They both jumped off their scooter, pushed me to the scooter and stepped in front of me and held all these blokes up. Anyway, there was a big kerfuffle there and they were bartering back and forwards and they came to me and said, these guys say that you owe them money. I was like, yeah, a hundred bucks. And... um he said, no, no, they, they say you owe 4,000 pounds. And I was like, no, nah. it was a pound an hour. And then they went back and they said, uh, yeah, that was a Luxor pound. And I said, a Luxor pound? What's a Luxor pound? And it turns out the conversion works out to be 4,000 Egyptian pounds. <sighs> but the Luxor currency hasn't been in circulation for however many years and apparently this is the trick that they do you to the tourists. sneaky mother. Yeah. And I said, I haven't got any money. Well, I've got 100 bucks or whatever it was. And they said, whatever's in your wallet, grab it, give it to them. I passed it over and they said, get on the scooter quick. And all three of us jumped on the scooter and I was on the back hanging on for dear life. And and it could have been just as bad, but they no, they were the real deal and they took me home. They got me home at, I don't know, 3, 4 o'clock in the morning after all that. Yes, so uh, read your Lonely Planet or guides or whatever it is, the advice, the local advice.